This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. Miami Dolphins 5-5 five and five coming off a of bye week. No damage, no loss, but they did get helped out in the standings by quite a few teams. They are right in the thick of the playoffs. They are actually tied for the sixth spot in the AFC playoffs right now. We're going to talk about that a little more as we go throughout the show in terms of Ryan Tannehill, Adam Gase, and all of that. The bye week, I thought it was really refreshing for all of us. It was nice on a Sunday, as crazy as this sounds, to not have to worry about the Dolphins and stressing about the Dolphins. Sure, we have our fantasy football teams, and that adds enough stress as it is. But how it's in, son, before we start getting into the thick of things and into the meat of this podcast, you know, we were talking before the show. It was it was a nice day, and I hate to say it, but the way the season has gone so late in the season, I think it's just mentally refreshing for not only the players and physically refreshing for the players, but also for the fans, just kind of enjoy a week where we can just relax, sit back, and not have to worry about, you know, what's going on with our favorite team. How Sutton, your thoughts on that? Yeah, anytime the Dolphins don't play football, it's really fun to watch. You know, the other teams see where we stand and get with some of them. And just like you said, our fantasy teams watch those players succeed. That game last night was incredible. I mean, anytime the Dolphins have a bye, you just got to enjoy football, sit back and watch it. But that game last night, I, I – Truly believe that's probably the best football game I will ever see in my entire life. What do you think, son? Hell of a game to watch. But, you know, Dolphins were in full tailspin mode right here. So, of course, it was a breath of fresh air on Sunday. Got to hang out with my cousin a little bit and just enjoy, try to be an objective fan and actually just appreciate the game of football, watch other teams play it. Of course, it's natural to compare what, the Dolphins do with some of the teams that we saw play it Sunday and Monday. It really goes to show how far away the Dolphins are in some areas. And I know we'll get to some of that tonight, but again, like you said, it was just, an, it was nice to just be able to, you know, focus on some other things for a minute. You're right. And there was a lot of talk after Monday night's football game between the Rams and the chiefs was spectacular game, high scoring shootout. Unfortunately for me, I needed 20 points in Robert Woods. He got me 17 and a half. So I lost my fantasy matchup by just a few points, but we all have those bad beats. But anyways, you know, a lot of reporters are coming out today, and I'm sure this is happening all over the NFL with different teams of how far the Dolphins are and how far this team is. If you really look at the NFL, right, there are a lot of teams in that situation. So don't just think it's situated to the Dolphins. I mean, I'm just going through the AFC right now, right? You could almost even say and make an argument that the Patriots are not on the same level as the Chiefs and the Rams. I don't think they are. No. Bills, no. Jets, no. Chargers, no. They're close, but no. Broncos, no. Raiders, no. Steelers, close, but no. Ravens, no. Bengals, no. Browns, no. Texans, no. Colts, no. Titans, no. Jaguars, no. Redskins, no. Cowboys, no. Eagles, no. Giants, no. 
Rams played last night. Seahawks, no. Cardinals, no. 49ers, no. Bears, not yet. Vikings, no. Packers, not anymore. Lions, no. Saints, yes. Panthers, no. Falcons, no. Buccaneers, no. So while all those, we're all in our own bubble here in Dolphins world, all those articles saying the Dolphins are so far off, not on the same level as these teams. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. Just named off all the teams that are close. And I came out with the Saints besides the Rams and the Chiefs. So you got the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs. And that is it. I have my next level, the Patriots, the Steelers, and then the Bears. And that is it. So three teams that are elite, in my opinion. You got another three teams right behind them. And another level with the teams that are close. So for me, listen, we're going to enjoy the rest of the season. There's six weeks left. We're going to enjoy the playoffs like we always do, whether the Dolphins are in it or not. And then we'll see who makes it to the Super Bowl because I don't think it's going to be the Rams versus Chiefs, but they got to play the games. Any last thoughts before we head into the man of the hour and the main topic of discussion for Finsider Radio? Just to throw this out there, there are good regular season NFL teams and then teams that get into the playoffs and get punched in the mouth and they don't always respond. I kind of worry about um, the Rams and the Chiefs being the the chic Super Bowl contenders now because now it makes me think it's going to be the Pats and Saints and it's going to be neither one of those teams, although it's really hard to see how teams playing that well offensively you know monday night it's hard to see them not being in the super bowl but i can definitely see both teams getting beat out by you know the the pats and saints respectively i just want to say one thing we mentioned you mentioned those teams that are you know the upper echelon in the nfl all of those teams have elite nfl quarterbacks and i think that's what separates them from the rest of the pack we all want a jared goff we all want a patrick mahomes that is why the Dolphins are not one of those upper echelon teams. Sure, it's the injuries, but uh, you need to get one of those elite quarterbacks if you want to be a consistent contender in the NFL. We've been waiting several weeks to say this, but he is back. And that was, yes, you heard it, the Undertaker's theme song from the WWE, courtesy of Aaron Sutton. A-A-Ron always providing the riffs, as we mentioned last week. All the riffs you hear on this show from the very first moment that you hear this show open up to the very end of this show. All those riffs played by certain, their creepy soccer dad. We haven't said that one in a while. So thank you. to. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. it. It was awesome to get that text, too. Like, hey, could you just play the Undertaker theme music? I'd never. Literally, yeah. I, I, I couldn't we, even I, remember I, what it sounded I, like, so I had to listen to it again. But it, that was fun. I texted Sutton. I'm like, dude, can you play this for the show tonight? And within 10 minutes, he turned it around. Just no music, just by ear. Amazing talent. I could do that on the piano and on the keyboard. I sent you guys a song last week, and it was it was crazy. But uh, you know, we're all you're, you're gonna have to drop that on us real soon. I'm gonna drop the Itsy Bitsy Spider one because it had a sick drum beat too. Guys, anyway. don't worry. All right. Anyways, Ryan Tannehill is back from the dead. And this dude, it, it's crazy. And I, I didn't tweet this out because I, I was just thinking about it in my head. And I'm like, I'm not going to start this all controversy and everyone's going to get all upset on Dolphins Twitter because we know how it is on Dolphins Twitter. You mentioned Ryan Tannehill and you got 50% of the fans for him, 50% against, and everyone just starts going at each other. 
about Ryan Tannehill. And that's what we're going to kind of do tonight on Finsider Radio and talk about Ryan Tannehill. And one, discuss whether he can lead the Dolphins to the playoffs this season. And two, whether he's the franchise quarterback beyond this season. But first, you know, I just want to get back. We saw Ryan Tannehill play under Joel Philbin from 2012 to 2015. And he put up he put up good numbers. He 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 was the record holder in some categories in Dolphins franchise history. He was close to the record in others, but you never got that, you know, good win-loss percentage. And we always said, okay, well, maybe it's Joe Philbin. He's a bad coach. Maybe it's the offensive line. He doesn't have the right players around him. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Adam Gase comes along in 2016. The Miami Dolphins are on fire. Well, not on fire. They start off really slow. Then they really turn it up. Uh Ryan Tannehill having a great season. And then he gets injured. And then he's out the season with torn ACL. Uh, but the Dolphins make the playoffs with Matt Moore, and they lose to the Steelers in the first round. I still believe to this day if Ryan Tannehill was playing in that game, they would have won because the Dolphins had plenty of opportunities. Then in 2017 in training camp, he goes down with uh, another ACL injury. So the Dolphins with Jay Cutler, they started off the 2017 season 1-0 with the Chargers, barely won, missed field goal. I still remember watching that game in my car on the way home from Six Flags with my kids and my wife, and you know it was kind of like, okay, Matt, we're going to Six Flags. we got to spend time with the family. Okay, fine, whatever. Watch on my phone. Lost the next two to the Jets and the Saints, and they won the next three. And we're all thinking, not a, we're all th- again. I'm not. I don't want to categorize everyone, but a lot of us are thinking maybe Jay Culler is what the Dolphins need because he knows Adam Gase's system inside and out. Adam Gase actually has a quarterback who can play. Then they lost five in a row. Then they won only two more games, and they lost the last three. And we couldn't wait to get rid of Jay Culler. We all couldn't wait for Ryan Tannehill to come back. And then Ryan Tannehill comes back. The Dolphins start off three and zero. And we're all like, okay, this is what we needed from Ryan Tannehill. This is final of the year. He gets back on track with Adam Gase. He's moving along. Beat the Titans 27-20. Beat the Jets 20-12. Beat the Raiders 28-20. Lose to the Patriots. No one was surprised by that. Bengals game was a tough one. The Dolphins were in control of that almost in the entire game. And then they lose, and they lose Ryan Tannehill to an injury. And then Brock Osweiler comes in, and the Dolphins beat the Bears. No one expected the Dolphins beat the Bears. And Brock Osweiler goes crazy. And then everyone's saying, well, not everyone again, people are saying, well, maybe Brock Osweiler, he knows Adam Gates' system in and out. Maybe he's the answer. And then he has a solid game against the Lions. No one's blaming the offense for the loss against the Lions. Everyone's blaming the defense. But then we see bad Brock against the Texans. We see bad Brock against the Jets. We see bad Brock against the Packers. And now we're all dying for Ryan Tannehill to come back. And this guy just cannot stay down. And, and the, some of the fans think that the backup option is better than Ryan Tannehill, but in reality, they're not. And right now, Ryan Tannehill is the Dolphins quarterback and should be the Dolphins quarterback, and there should be no question about it. So, Houts, let's start with the first question for this season. Can Ryan Tannehill lead this Miami Dolphins team to the playoffs in these last six games, starting on Sunday versus the Colts? Well, I think we can all admit Sunday's game got a hell of a lot more interesting. I think this might be kind of the reason the NFL flexed that game towards the, the later part of the afternoon because, I mean, it gave Ryan Tannehill more time. And this guy, he's ready to go. You saw Joe Schott. He tweeted out, you know, he's out there slinging the rock. Ryan Tannehill, it seems like the shoulder's still nagging at, nagging him, but he's saying it's a tolerable pain. It doesn't feel like someone's stabbing him anymore. So, I mean, that's a little bit more encouraging. But even Ryan Tannehill being stabbed or having that stabbing feeling has to be better than what we've seen from Brock Osweiler lately. Uh, can the Dolphins make the playoffs? I mean, it's going to be a tough task because you look at the, the injuries on both sides of the football. You look at what the defense has done at times. I mean, the run defense has been atrocious for most of the season. 
Uh, past defense has been pretty good, and the pass rush has been non-existent. So it's not just one guy, and as much as it is hard for us fans to look at and say, you know, it's not just Ryan Tannehill that the Dolphins have struggled in the past. I mean, he's not just the sole reason why this team hasn't had success, but he is part of the reason. And I think getting him back, this is his final opportunity to prove that he is the future of this franchise. I mean, they invested a high pick in him. They've given him now seven seasons. I mean, you can't really ask for a better setup for the end of this season. Final six games, Dolphins have a chance to make the playoffs. They're currently tied right now. One of those teams is the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, this is setting up to be everything you could ever ask for. I mean, you sit there and you think about the Dolphins day in and day out. No one's sitting there rooting against Ryan Tannehill, no matter what anyone says. I mean, sure, there are those guys out there that might want to be right and say, you know, I said from the beginning Tannehill wasn't the guy. That's just stupid. If you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins, you're rooting for Ryan Tannehill. You are going to be sitting there cheering like hell if he goes out there and plays the way, you know, we saw him play in 2016. But this is a lot worse of a supporting cast than he's had in the past because of the injuries. I mean, Bryce Butler, you got Danny Amendola, which he's he's probably the most solid wide receiver we have. I don't know what Devontae Parker's status is. Mike Jasicki's been a ghost. He just doesn't have those weapons. And you have the injuries on the offensive line. Yes, we might be getting Jawan James and Larry Tunsil back, it seems. So that'll be a huge, huge change from what we saw last week. But the offense is going to struggle. I don't see Ryan Tannehill coming in here and just lighting the world on fire because the supporting cast isn't what it was those first few weeks of the season. But the optimist in me, the, the diehard Dolphins fan in me, I'm going to say yes, Ryan Tannehill can come back and he can do everything that we c- kind of dream of, kind of sit there and think about throughout the day. You know what, what if the Dolphins make the playoffs? What if Ryan Tannehill comes back this week from a shoulder injury that many people didn't think he'd come back from for a few more weeks? And go out there and lead the Dolphins to a four and two record down the stretch and get this team in the playoffs. Maybe win a playoff game. It's it's setting up to be one of those moments that you know the Dolphins don't stand a chance to do it because it's the Dolphins. But I think Ryan Tannehill at some point he needs to realize that his NFL career relies on this. Sure, there are teams out there that would love a Ryan Tannehill, but his days in Miami are numbered, and he can go out there and you know rewrite his legacy in Miami if he goes out there and beats Indy, continues to do so throughout the rest of the season. I mean. They play Buffalo twice. You know, they got Minnesota who's struggling. They, they got these games. They haven't beaten New England this year. I mean, that's a team that they beat every single year, it seems. So they have these games that they can go out there and win. It's just, can the injuries, can, can they overcome all the injuries? I, I think it's going to be a tough task. But the homer in me says Ryan Tannehill is going to go out there, go 4-2, and two, and lead the Dolphins to the playoffs. Narratives can change in six games. We've already seen that happen this year. Look what happened in the first three games of the season and what we were saying about Ryan Tannehill and then the next cohort of games and what we were saying about Ryan Tannehill. So you just you have to wonder just about the return from injury itself. You know, we have to consider that for a second. We know Ryan Tannehill's a tough SOB, okay? We know the pedigree that he's had, the shots that he's taken and bounced back from a lot of them. He's had a rough stretch here lately. But I don't think anyone can really question his toughness. His durability, yes, but not his toughness. So he's got the toughness factor here, and I almost wonder a little bit if he's coming back rushing it a little bit. That's just me just being curious about the situation. But with that, with that being said, you know, I was a college basketball athlete trying to return from an injury myself. And 
peak performance in sports depends on repetitive, consistent muscle memory. And Ryan Tannehill, just for the sake of having to take a break from the capsular injury that he had, you have to wonder how effective he's going to be. We already have the, the, the struggles with our first drives and early in games. How is that going to jive with Ryan Tannehill coming back from a month-long injury? So I'm, I'm very worried about how the opening scripts and all that kind of stuff are going to play out. You'd like to hope that the, the running game gets involved there. But just to backtrack a couple of weeks when we, when we interviewed Dr. Chow, I specifically asked him about the susceptibility of Tannehill's injury and how likely it is to be re-aggravated. And what he said was, if the pain is coming from the capsular injury itself, it's not a good sign. And this is paraphrased. Please don't hold me to this verbatim, but this is paraphrased. If it's the capsular injury itself, it's not good. If it's the surrounding areas, then that's the type of pain that you can kind of fight through. So I'm very curious because Ryan Tannehill did admit that there's still some pain there. Where is the pain? That's where I'm curious because I don't want Ryan Tannehill to go on a kamikaze mission and rush out here with the dying hopes of a, a playoff berth when I still think, even with Ryan Tannehill under center, I do not believe we are good enough to make the playoffs this year. I will be rooting for them like everybody else. Please, don't get me wrong. But the Colts are favored by eight points for a reason. The Colts are 4-0 in their last four games. They're scoring at a ridiculous rate. Granted, they've played against you know, Buffalo and Oakland in the process, but that we've played Oakland too and, and got that victory there. So, I mean, it's the Colts are a good team right now. They have momentum. They just beat their division rival 38 to 10 at home. So they're back in Lucas oil stadium. I don't think momentum wise, this sets up well for us, despite the fact that we had the bye week there. But how many worthwhile repetitions were there for Tannehill while he's going through this injury? Did he have as many reps in practice that he normally would? I can't answer that question. My, my assumption, though, is probably not as many as he would normally have. Then you couple that with Tunsil and James coming back, their interior line not being there, Jakeem Grant being injured, just I, I just don't see a great recipe for success on offense on Sunday and with a really hot offensive team led by Andrew Luck and they're doing a lot of different things formation wise. I think that sets up pretty poorly for us on defense as well. This is a good segue into our next segment. But before we jump into that, I just want to kind of recap what you both said. And, and yes, Ryan Tannehill needs to be a superhero in order for the Dolphins to make the playoffs because of all the injuries that have occurred on this Dolphins team. And, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not at 100%. He admitted as such that he's not at 100%, but it's what the Dolphins need right now. And I think there's no doubt in my mind that Ryan Tannehill is absolutely pushing himself to come back for this game. And I don't think he's fully ready, but this game is huge. If the Dolphins lose this game on Sunday, they can pretty much write themselves out of the playoffs because 
They will then have lost the tiebreaker between the Bengals and the Colts. And when you look at the AFC standings right now, you got six teams who get in. Patriots, yes, Dolphins are two games out. They're probably going to win the AFC East. Chiefs and Chargers are neck to neck. We'll see what happens there, but one of them will get the wild card. AFC North, you got the Steelers, and you got the Ravens with five losses, Bengals with five losses, but the Bengals will need to lose more than the Dolphins will lose because the Steelers are going to win that division, pretty sure. Then you got the Texans, who are probably going to win that division. Then you got the Titans, who the Dolphins hold the tiebreaker over, and the Colts. So the Dolphins lose against the Colts. Dolphins go to five and six. They'll have the tiebreaker loss against the Colts and the Bengals. You can pretty much end their season right then and there, unless they go on a crazy run and some miracles happen the rest of the way. Now, all that said, the Dolphins right now are at five and five. They are decimated with injuries. Over a dozen players on injury reserve. At one point during the Packers game, they had three offensive starters playing from opening day. Jakeem Grant, the latest offensive player to go on injury reserve. Adam Gase has been the subject of a ton of criticism this season. Some deservedly, some not so deservedly. I'm going to jump on here right now and say that his criticism of him being 5-5 five and five is totally undeserved. The amount of injuries they have and the fact that they went up to Green Bay with only three offensive starters from opening day at one point in the game and to still have a chance all the way up until almost the fourth quarter with Brock Osweiler as your starting quarterback, I think it speaks a ton as to what Adam Gase is doing with this team. And I know there are different Twitter feeds out there giving Adam Grace, Gase a ton of crap and saying, well, look at Sean McVay and look at you know Andy Reid and how they're doing with their teams. Look at Frank Wright with the Colts and what he's doing. They all have franchise quarterbacks. Jared Goff, Pat Mahomes, Andrew Luck. Adam Gase says Brock Osweiler. If it wasn't for the Dolphins, Brock Osweiler is probably not playing in the NFL this year. If he is, he's a backup somewhere and probably not seeing the field at all. So Adam Gase says that. He has a depleted wide receiver core. The whole vision of his offense going through Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills, who's hurt with a groin injury, and Albert Wilson, of course, and IR. And Devontae Parker has barely played this season, has just gone to shambles. The whole point of restructuring your offensive line the way he did it was to offer superb pass protection. Josh Sitton going down. Daniel Kilgore going down. That's your interior line. Tunsil and James missing time. He's just battled one thing after another on this offense. They come into the season thinking Mike Jaziki is going to have plenty of opportunities, and this guy's getting double covered. Not ideal. You have a defensive coordinator who's in a mess, needs some help. Adam Gase is spending time in the in the defensive meeting room trying to get that side back on track, and he has in some games. But Adam Gase does not deserve to be criticized for being 5-5. Five and five. The fact that the Dolphins are 5-5 five and five is an absolute miracle right now. You look at the rest of the NFL. What team, what coach with all of these injuries can pull off 5-5? Five and five? Sean McDermott cannot. Todd Bowles, no. Andy Reid, probably. You look at the Broncos, Vance Joseph, no. John Gruden, definitely not. Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, probably. Mike Tomlin, probably. John Harbaugh, probably. Marvin Lewis, no. Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, no. Bill O'Brien, I'm not so sure because we saw what happened when Deshaun Watson went out last year. They weren't good. Frank Reich from the Colts, 
we don't know enough about him. Titans, Mike Rabel, probably not. Jaguars, Doug Marone, no. Redskins, Jay Gruden, we're going to find out a lot about them with Alex Smith, no. Jason Garrett, absolutely not. Doug Peterson, maybe, but they're struggling. Pat Schumer from the Giants, no. Sean McVay, yes. Pete Carroll, maybe. Cardinals, no. 49ers, no. Look at them. They lost their franchise quarterback, and they're 2-8. and eight. Got the Bears, yes. Vikings, Mike Zimmer, maybe. Mike McCarthy, absolutely not. Matt Patricia, no. Sean Payton, yes. Ron Rivera, maybe. Dan Quinn, they're struggling. They have a worse record than the Dolphins. Buccaneers, absolutely not. So you look at the coaches in the NFL, and there aren't many that I would pick over Adam Gase right now with this decimated team. So people calling for Adam Gates' head to be fired at the end of the season are absolutely out of line. And I know that's not a popular opinion because people just want to look at results. People just want to say, well, they're 5-5. Five and five. They should have beat this team. They should have beat that team. The NFL is hard when you're fully healthy. The NFL is a lot damn harder when you got guys all on injured reserve, especially when your starting quarterback is down as well. How it's, and I, I know you guys might have some different opinions on this. So... You know, if if either of you have a negative opinion of Adam Gates, if either of you think it's time for Adam Gates to go, I want to hear you first. Well, I guess we'll start here. And that doesn't necessarily mean I want him fired right now. But here's what I'll say. And here's the narrative is, well, we have so many injuries and we're at five and five. Well, we were three and oh the first three games of the season. And after that is when a lot of these major injuries has, have happened. So how much credit does he get for the injuries going two and five in that span? One of those of which were against the jets who were playing against, or, or sorry, playing with a receiving core that more resembled a where's Waldo version of Legadu Nani. It's like, Oh, is Legadu Nani on this side or this side or this side? They were playing with nobody. So, I'm not going to give us that much credit for that win, the second Jets win there. So really, we're looking at two quality wins that I see so far this year. Week one at Tennessee when both teams were arguably at full strength. So I will give Gase credit for that. Chicago, excellent win. I don't know where that victory came from. I think a lot of us were surprised that game. We were firing on all cylinders for the most part. I mean, the defense kind of broke down there, I guess, you know, as recollection serves. But we did enough offensively to give us the, the win and had enough luck in that game. But really, while we've been injured, we haven't been that good. So I don't know why we're giving Gase such we're, – we're putting him on, on a pedestal for this and we're still ignoring the fact that the offense – despite whoever is under center has not been consistently good. I cannot overlook that fact. I can't overlook the opening scripts. And yes, the injuries, you can make that a, a viable consideration for those games where Brock Osweiler or some other backup quarterback is playing for the Miami Dolphins. But while Ryan Tannehill is under center, I promise you that the opening scripts and the first quarter scoring offense is still not good. So I'm not sure 
why we're giving Adam Gase such a pass for this injury thing. I know it sucks. I know it's it's hard to have a true measure of what we could be as a team had we had a lot of these players full strength or at least in midseason form in some way, battling through you know bumps and bruises along the way. But this it's just not it's not working for me for Adam Gase. You know, it's when I'm reflecting back, I'm looking at that Chicago team before he came here with Dow Loggins and all these people that he's brought over with us. That was an average team with an average offense. Before that, you have Adam Gase putting up leading scheme-wise an incredible offense with with Peyton Manning under center and rewriting some of the record books. So it's understandable that he got the notoriety that he did. I like the swagger, the confidence that he had when he first came in here. I like some of the late game adjustments that he does. I like some of the refreshment that he has at press conferences and some of the transparency that we've seen from him. But from X's and O's and what I'm seeing on the field, I'm starting to wear a thing, guys. Yeah, I guess that puts me between the two of you. I mean, I can see pros for Adam Gase and cons as to why he needs to improve. I mean, the play going, calling, like Sutton said at the beginning of the game, the way he goes in there each and every week with those scripted plays, I mean, it's lethargic. And, I mean, he sits there and he, he just it, – it doesn't change. I mean, he goes out there and he something's working, and it, the next week he goes out there and does the complete opposite. I mean, you look, can look at the personnel decisions both on offense and defense. I mean – it's head scratching at times. And I don't, I have not seen it get better in the three seasons he's been here. So, I mean, you look at that, you see Adam Gase kind of, you kind of get an understanding of what he is. But, but then, like Kanata said on the flip side, all the injuries he's had to overcome, he went out there and won some games with Brock Osweiler, which, like Kanata said, probably would not even be in the league if it wasn't for Adam Gase. I mean, you look at those things and you think, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, for me, much like Ryan Tannehill, I think these last few games, are really going to solidify what Adam Gase is in Miami. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't think, you know, barring an 0-6 finish to this season and a guy like Jim or John Harbaugh coming available or some other, you know, prolific coach, I, I don't see him being canned in Miami. But at some point, you got you to gotta say, this is enough. And I think Adam Gase has a chance, like, like Ryan Tannehill, to go out there and prove that he is the future in Miami. You heard the young Don Shula reference from Stephen Ross when he was hired. He was supposed to be his offensive mastermind. And, yes, there are plenty of injuries to go around, but the offense is not very good. It's not better than it was when Joe Philbin was here. It was not better than it is, you know, seasons prior. So, for me, that that's what I need to see happen. You need to see Adam Gase go out there, and despite a banged-up uh, receiving core, despite injuries on the offensive line, you need to see him go out there and run the football, you know, give Ryan Tannehill those options to, to move the ball with his feet, to, to get on the outside and make those throws on the run that he's so good at. And most importantly, you know, if Frank Gore's running well, keep giving the ball to Frank Gore. Give Kenny Drake some looks. you got to go out there and create these mismatches, and that's something that we heard that Adam Gase could do before he came to Miami, and we just haven't seen it. So I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm in the middle. I see the pros as to why Adam Gase, you know, he's doing a hell of a job. I, no one can argue that five and five uh, – I, I know he's up there. He was, what, third or fourth in odds for head coach of the year. So, I mean, you look at something like that, what he's overcome, what he's had to deal with, there's no not many coaches in the NFL that could have overcome that. But a uh, bigger picture, it's the same things from year one that we didn't like with Adam Gates, the, the pregame 
the the scripted plays, you know, some of the adjustments at halftime, some of the personnel decisions uh, that are still just as frustrating midway through the, his third season. So for me, these final six games are kind of going to write his legacy. Sure, he can improve. You know, maybe he goes out and gets a franchise quarterback. Maybe, maybe we realize Ryan Tannehill isn't the guy, and next year they draft a guy or they sign a Teddy Bridgewater, and he goes out there and the Dolphins go – you know, 10 and six or something, then things might change. But overall, I think we kind of know what Adam Gase is and he, he's right there in the middle. He, he's a guy who can at times look like an offensive genius. I mean, that Oakland game, just some of the play calling was just freaking phenomenal. And then weeks, the following week, he just went out there and just laid an egg. You know, they went to New England. Ryan Tannehill might've got been a little banged up from the week prior, but they just laid an egg and offensively, there's no excuse for that. You can you can keep pinpointing this on injuries, but at some point, uh, good coaching overcomes that. So let's see how these last six games play out, and I, I think we're going to get our definitive answer. You know, on Ryan Tannehill for sure, and it might give us a definitive answer on what Adam Gase is as well. You but are right. I'll, let me Go throw ahead. this out. Let me throw this out there, and for the win loss crowd. And that's what makes sample sizes so small in the NFL. So that's why narratives change so quickly is because we base everything off wins and losses. And there's only 16 of them in every season. And anybody that's done any type of social science ever done any research knows that 16 of whatever you're trying to do ain't a very good sample size. So things change quickly. So, Again, these last six games that the Dolphins have, a lot can be said about Ryan Tannehill and a lot can be said about Adam Gase, and it's really going to be interesting to see uh, how we end up siding on things here six games from now. You look at Adam Gase, and yes, his offense has not been great. And we've all said on this show, all three of us, that he should give a play calling, and I still firmly believe in that, that he should give a play calling. Be a head coach, give your input. And he, Adam Gase, in his press conference earlier this week, hinted at something when he said that Stephen Ross talks to him after every game and during the week as well. And he said that Stephen Ross understands why the team is so decimated with injuries and, well, not why, but why the team is struggling because of the injuries. And he said that Ross saw what the offense could look like with a healthy Albert Wilson, with the healthy Devontae Parker, with the healthy Ryan Tannehill. And those pieces are missing now. And then you add Jakeem Grant in there too. So it sounds like barring a complete collapse, that Adam Gase is coming back for another season, whether anyone likes it or not. Now, I'm sure there will be changes on some of the staff. I think we'll get a new defensive coordinator. A rumor leaked during the bye week uh, from, I believe it was three yards per carry, that Adam Gase wanted to bring in Vic Fangio. Adam Gase has wanted Vic Fangio ever since he interviewed for the job in San Francisco. But Stephen Ross who was snake bit from uh, all the money he spent on Vance Joseph, who left after one year and the contract, I guess, was front-loaded. He wanted to promote someone from within. So will Adam Gase get his way this offseason? We will see. The only thing for me, and I think Adam Gase should return, and if you have your head coach, if you think you have your head coach, it's about the environment around you. You look at Les Snead, and this is a different scenario, but look at Les Snead in Los Angeles with the Rams. He's the general manager, but under Jeff Fisher, he looked just like an average general manager. didn't look like anything great. Now they're playing lights out, and all of a sudden, he's one of the best general managers in the league. Hell, look at Jeff Island, who's the assistant GM in New Orleans. 
He was one of the supposedly worst GMs in the world, which he'll attach to Joe Philbin and Tony Sperano. Now he goes to New Orleans, and they're one of the best teams in the league and one of the hottest front offices. You look at Rick Spielman with Minnesota. They're struggling, but they've been hot the past few years. He was tied to the hip here with Dave Wanstead. Bad GM, right? Eh, he goes to Minnesota, good GM. It's all about the people you surround yourself with, and we don't know all the inner workings of the team. So I think Adam Gaze is a hell of a good coach. And I always look at it like this. If the Dolphins were to let Adam Gaze go at the end of the season, would he be a head coach somewhere else in this league? And that answer, I believe, is a firm yes. A team who has a young quarterback would pick him up. Maybe the Jets. Maybe the Cardinals even, if they if they move on. But I do think he'd be a head coach somewhere next year. You couldn't say the same thing about Jill Philbin, the late Tony Sperano. You couldn't say the same thing about even Dan Campbell. But I think you could say the same thing about Adam Gase, and that's a litmus test for me. The only one I would flip for, and the only one I would say, get rid of Adam Gase, is if John Harbaugh does in fact become free. And I think Stephen Ross might be tempted as all hell. The Dolphins miss out on the playoffs to look at John Harbaugh and say, maybe I should go after him. We know Ross's infinity with Jim Harbaugh. We know the story about him flying across the coast to lure him to Miami, but Jim would not do the interview with Joe Philbin, uh, Tony Sperano, sorry, who was still the head coach. He would not do it. And then he went to Michigan, which is also Stephen Ross's baby. Some may say that it's more of his baby than it is the Miami Dolphins. So if Stephen Ross has the opportunity to get both Harbaugh brothers, and he's very close with the Harbaugh family, he may just do it. And I think I'd be all for that because John Harbaugh would bring a toughness to this team that has not been seen in a long while. And if John Harbaugh comes, you tear this thing down. You bring someone with him from the Baltimore front office to be the GM, and you build this up again. And I'm not going to say you build it up the right way because maybe the Dolphins are building it the right way for Adam Gase. And you're building it a certain way for different coaches. But this debate will continue to go on until Adam Gates either proves he is a consistent winner in Miami or he gets fired. And then we'll debate it for a few more months. And this person will say, I told you so. And that person will say, I told you so. And then everybody will move on to the next head coach. But you have your opinion, Houts. You have your opinion, and I have my opinion. And that's what's great about all of us is we all can agree to disagree on certain things. And I think that's good, and I think that's healthy as long as it's in a respectful way. And often we don't see that a lot on social media. So Ryan Tannehill coming in against the Colts, he knows his time is up. He knows it's now or never. If he is successful the rest of this season, he has a chance to come back as a bridge quarterback, possibly for Teddy Bridgewater, no pun intended. Or it could be an audition for another team. So he can go and be a starter somewhere like Josh McCown was for the Jets or another bridge starter somewhere else. But he knows this is his last run. Before we wrap up this show, Son and Houts, any last thoughts on Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase? Want a consistent winner somehow, some way. There's different theories of how that works in the NFL. And I think, you know, when you're looking at the Super Bowl from last year, the Nick Foles versus Tom Brady game has really embedded the idea in a lot of minds that 
winning with average quarterbacks is possible. And yes, clearly it is possible. I just find it more and more. And I really resisted this theory as a fan, but it really does seem to be about consistent quarterback play. Those are, it's just something that's able to overcome other obstacles that a strong running game and a strong defense can't always do. So um, we, we, we have to find a way to build a consistent winner somehow, some way uh, having a, a complete holistic team works, but I think we need to start with the quarterback position first and foremost. Yeah, and I just want to say before it comes up, I mean, I've kind of been one of those guys who's been pretty pretty adamant about this team needing to draft a quarterback. I don't think that changes regardless of how Ryan Tannehill plays. I mean, I said it before I went on that Ryan Tannehill rant, rant earlier in the season. I, I said how, you know, he is what he is, but he's still our quarterback. And until he's a, on a different team, until he's no longer with the Miami Dolphins, he is our quarterback. But no matter what he does in these last six games – the Dolphins should have realized, you know, with Jay Cutler, now with Brock Osweiler this year, they need to get a quarterback. They need to have a backup plan. So regardless if Ryan Tannehill goes out there and lights the world on fire, they still should draft a quarterback. They should still be going after Teddy Bridgewater and free agency if the price is right. They still need to go into next season with, sure, if Ryan Tannehill plays well, maybe they can restructure that huge cap number. He's going to be, what, 31 next season? I mean, he, he's still a serviceable quarterback, but at the end of the day, he is not, he's an Alex Smith. I, we said it before, he's an Alex Smith, and the team needs a Patrick Mahomes. Yes, teams can win with Nick Foles, but, but that, that doesn't happen that often. So I think a lot of people might look at that and say, you know what, Houts said he, they wanted a quarterback earlier in the year, now he's rooting for Ryan Tannehill. I will always root for Ryan Tannehill. But for this team to succeed in the future, they need a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, and I don't think that'll change no matter how these last six games play out. It all begins once again. Ryan Tannehill is back. Adam Gase, six more games to make to the playoffs. 4.25 p.m. Eastern time. The Colts, one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. The Dolphins limping in, struggling, but getting healthier after their bye week. Still, though, lots of players on injury reserve. Will the Dolphins pull this game off? Will Ryan Tannehill come back and play a lights-out game and lead the Dolphins to victory? Or will they falter with a stagnant offense? and basically end their season on Sunday. We'll find out in just a few days. We'll have our Colts preview later in the week. We'll also have some draft talk with Kyle Krabs, hopefully before Sunday's game as well. We hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the football on Thursday. Enjoy Black Friday shopping. We will be back with you later this week. Until that time, for Josh Houtson, Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.